How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me slash growth. That's hbs.me slash growth. Welcome to Lockdown Bucks, brought to you by BrewHoop.com and also brought to you by BetDSI.com. Go to BetDSI.com now. That's BetDSI.com and go there and use the promo code BUCKS10, that's B-U-C-K-S-10, and you'll get a free wager and you can start winning today. And winning today is not what the Milwaukee Bucks <laughs> did. Uh, the Bucks ended up losing 122-100 to 100 to the Toronto Raptors. And that laughter you hear is from Frank Madden. Um, Frank, how are you? Uh, uh, well, I mean, we walked right into that one because we, we pointed out that the Bucks hadn't been blown out in like three <laughs> weeks and 11 games. And then uh, they, uh, as the Toronto Raptors have done to them many a time um, in the last couple of years, not not in the first matchup with the, between these two teams this year. That was actually a very close game. Um, but this game, I, I was actually shocked that the Raptors when I looked at the final box for 14 out of 25 from three, it felt like they <laughs> hit were like 19 of 28, uh, from three. Yeah. Um, they just, yeah. I mean, they just punished the Bucks all, all game long. Every really with the exception of that third quarter where, where at times the Bucks were, you know, doubling to an extent, um, just on the ball with DeRozan. To, I mean, I don't know if I've seen the Bucks sort of, so blatantly tried to take the ball out of a guy's hands at all this year as as in that yeah. quarter and you know i'm not gonna say that that was some stroke of brilliance um because i think they probably just got a bit lucky um but they they had this i mean it, everything was just so hard for the bucks to, even when they were coming back in the third quarter and obviously you know the final lines for Giannis and jabari 30 points eight boards five assists three steals for Giannis uh 27 points for Jabari no other real stats because he doesn't really do other stats um (laughs) (laughs) hey hey that came off that came off kind of harsh but um but those guys obviously were were keys that sort of helping especially Giannis and in helping the Bucks get back in the game 24 in the second half from Giannis but Man, it just felt like it was so hard to to even get the game back to within. I think they had it back to within eight at one point before. Yeah. Um, I think Giannis got called. He got baited into a foul on Rosen to end the third. But um, everything was just so hard. And um, you know, I, it's kind of funny. We, I feel like the the complaints about Jason Kidd were all like you know the sort of rotation based stuff for the first month and nobody was really complaining about the defense and now I'm kind of thinking like okay here it comes <laughs> here it comes wait wait until that that opponent three point percentage starts to work the other way and tonight it went up about a percent um tonight yeah. alone it's up to 33% they're now tied for second in the league after being first for a while um we've been kind of bemoaning and and bracing ourselves for that to start mean reverting and um you know against a team like this you know the Bucks just got caught with their pants down on <laughs> rotations, time after time, and uh, it, it seemed. I, I actually went back and checked. I think the old, the Raptors only got three offensive rebounds off their eleven missed threes, 
it felt like more than that. Uh, <laughs> they had 16 total offensive rebounds compared to just 25 defensive rebounds for the Bucks. So, you know, just sort of take your pick of, of bad defensive metrics. And um, I think, uh, you know, as I've said before, I think if, you know, if we want to question stuff about the Bucks, I think defensive philosophy is a, a very obvious one that um, so far hasn't really burned them. But it will be interesting to see how that evolves going forward. Yeah, it was it was not at all pretty tonight. It was... God, it was bad, um, and it, it and it's tough to find a, a turning point. I guess as as I look through tip off, that's what I'm saying. Like as I look <laughs> through the play by play, it's not like oh that was it. Like that moment when that thing happened, or when these guys came off the bench, or the Bucks missed this shot and the Raptors made this shot. Like there was never that moment. There was just the the dread of good god this is never going to end uh please put the bucks out of their misery and yeah it, it was it was really brutal tonight um I, I guess we were talking a little bit about it before we started recording and it's just interesting how this raptors team owns the bucks so thoroughly uh and obviously the raptors are a great offensive team um I'm trying to think three years or three, yeah, three years ago, they would have been one of the top offensive teams in the league uh, at the start, like the first half of the season. And then they kind of fell off a cliff. And then last year they were great offensively. And now this year um, they are as good offensively as the golden state warriors. Um, So let that, just sink in for a little bit because did you did you see the there was a tweet earlier today i forget who <laughs> tweeted it that it was um, ian levy and yes i okay. did see it yeah that relative to the rest of the league so if you look at just nba history and you kind of do um you know kind of baseline against the average for for the league in in that year and then compare relative to that um the two best teams relative to league average in like nba history and in, in terms of offensive efficiency are the golden state warriors no surprise and the Toronto Raptors <laughs> tonight. Um, yeah. Tonight we saw we saw why that might be. Yeah. So I, I guess that's why I think like man, I, I struggled to really get down on this one because man, the Raptors are so good offensively, but man, a, a hundred twenty eight offensive rating in a game just is so demoralizing, um, and. It is just strange that this Bucks team has played the Warriors so tough, and I, I guess a lot of the times it's probably just because the Bucks are scoring with the Warriors. Um, but at times they did get enough necessary stops, and when they got the twenty-four and one win down the stretch, the Warriors were struggling to score, and the Bucks were scoring. And it, it's just weird that, as you think, like okay, teams that have good ball movement and shoot a lot of threes. Okay, the Warriors are on that list, the Cavs are on that list, the Raptors are on that list, and yet the Bucks have managed to give the Warriors and Cavs good games, and really aside from the first Raptors game, the Bucks just haven't had that against the Raptors in the last year, and the Raptors just just own them. And, and, I, and I can't even think of a theory, because both, like, the Warriors have good guards, and the Warriors have guys that can shoot threes and draw fouls. Like, why don't they do that to the to the Bucks? And I don't know. It's just this weird thing with the Raptors, and I can't really comprehend it. But good God, they dominate the Bucks. Just absolutely dominate them. Yeah, I was looking at some of the numbers, and I think you know one difference is the Warriors will have games where they're really sloppy with the ball and, and turn it over a lot, which obviously yeah. for a team like the Bucks is important. And I'd have to check. I don't know how much of a factor that was in in those the three Bucks games. Um, I 
I think it was a factor, but uh, again, I don't know, remember off the top of my head. I mean, I don't think the the Warriors also. I mean, they didn't shoot the lights out like we saw um, the the Raptors do tonight. But the Raptors on the flip side are are third in the league in in sort of fewest turnovers on, on the offensive end. So they just don't really give a team like the Bucks that much oxygen either in terms mm-hmm. of giving them opportunities to kind of run and get easy buckets. I think we saw that a little bit. I think it was pretty even in terms of fast break points um, in the final part of the game. I mean, we, you know, think back to uh, third quarter, Giannis had that uh, steal and, and took it in. And uh, I was kind of waiting for Patrick Patterson to, you know, basically try to decapitate Giannis um, when trying to take a foul. But thankfully, he just kind of timidly grabbed him and, yeah. and Giannis finished through contact for the layup. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's you know, I mean, even with the immortal Luis Scola no longer knocking down threes from the corners for the Raptors. Um, <laughs> and and it, it, it's fascinating to me. Every time I've watched Toronto, um, Pascal, is it... Siakam, or I thought it was Siakam, but Paschke was was pronouncing it Siakam tonight. So I don't even know how you probably pronounce it. But the whoa, 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 whoa! You don't know how to pronounce something. I know that's what. What is going on? Like this? I know. I mean, we saw we did see Jakob Pertl tonight, (laughs) which I enjoyed. Um, But uh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I just got a little freaked out there that you didn't have a pronunciation for me. Yeah. Well, I was going to say it's kind of funny because like when you see him in the starting five, because he's obviously not, you know, a guy who you really need to account for as like a stretch four so much. um, You kind of think, oh, man, they're doing us a favor by by sticking this guy out there. I mean, obviously, he brings something in terms of his mobility and defense, things like that. He he blocked Giannis's Euro step transition attempt which i don't think i've ever seen anybody do i mean he, he i think he was a help defender um yeah. Giannis, i think well, i don't know if he if he did it to carol or who he did it to but um but uh yeah it's kind of funny because you think oh man at least they put one guy on the court who like you don't feel like <laughs> is really going to score and then you know between it, it is actually really interesting because like the starters you know you've got larry who's obviously a phenomenal shooter carol who's like a good as like a spot up guy yeah. and then DeRozan, who's obviously not really a three-point shooter but I mean, just anything inside the arc, just, I mean, he threw up that like one handed runner with his left it at one point in the third quarter. Oh I mean, my God. it's just insane how skilled he is. And I don't know, I'd have to look, I don't know how crazy unsustainable his two point, you know, his, his sort of, you know, non-restricted mm-hmm. uh, two point percentages at this point. Um, I mean, his, his numbers have come down a lot even since the, the beginning of the season when he had that big run. But um, I mean, we saw it in Milwaukee as well. He's just, He's tough. Really difficult to guard. Um, I mean, you give up. You, you just he he takes so many shots where it's just like I can live with that, and then he just hits it. You know? <laughs> uh, yeah. And then and then you try to double him, and he can move the ball, and and obviously kind of free up looks for for some of their three point shooters. And obviously tonight, um, you know, Terrence Ross is having a great year. And other than him bricking uh, a, a windmill off the front iron, which eventually led to a Kyle Lowry three-pointer three pointer fittingly. Yes, uh, of course. T. Ross uh, just did not seem to miss. Mem- remember when we talked at the beginning of the season, we were like, hey, maybe, do you think John Henson could get like Terrence <laughs> Ross in a trade? And we're like, eh, no, probably not. And then tonight, it's just like, can you imagine if, if the Bucks had been able to somehow get Terrence Ross for John Henson? I mean, that would have been... He seems to... Insane. He seems to have good games against the Bucks. I would bet that his... his I don't know, his career averages against the Bucks are probably better than his career averages against anyone else. And 
Also, if I was looking to make a bet, I would go to betdsi.com. They've been over they've been in the business for over 20 years. They're a top-rated site, and they have a great basketball special for you. So sign up today and you get $10 to try their service for free. Um, and also a 100% bonus on your first deposit. So BetDSI has a ton of deals and I'm very curious what the over was on this game tonight. Because 222, I feel like with a historically great offense and the Bucks offense, which is what, in the top 15 in offense efficiency, um, I feel like that number, 222 was probably, was probably very close to what the over was tonight. Yeah, unfortunately, I, I don't see this as a game's over. I don't have it in front of me. but um, And you don't have it in front of you because they update those live. So yeah. as the night's going on, you can make more bets, and BetDSI just keeps you up to date on everything going on. Um, so so that's obviously a positive there. And go to BetDSI now. That's BetDSI.com. Like I said, our promo code BUCKS10, B-U-C-K-S-10. You get a free wager, and you can start winning today. So go ahead and hop over there to BetDSI.com. Uh, yeah, Terrence Ross, Bucks killer. And man, looking at some of these plus minuses are just <laughs> just depressing a, a plus 29 for lowry uh plus 18 for pat pat a plus 17 for ross uh plus 18 for nagara a plus 15 for Corey joseph and it was funny i was john schumann uh someone who we've referenced before had has been talking about the raptors death lineup um and that's this year it's been lowry joseph terrence ross Pat Pat and Nagara, and they outscored the. Buc- I, I feel like there there has to be a better name, like Rigamortis lineup or like uh, Coma lineup. I don't know. There's got to be something better than sure. better than de- we can't use death. I feel like that that's like Pat did, right? Maybe I don't really know. Um, but they outscored the Bucks thirty nine to seventeen tonight in just or almost thirteen minutes. So in almost thirteen minutes, plus twenty two uh, for that five man pairing. And I believe he said he tweeted it out. I think it's a, but they're better than the Warriors death lineup. Um, so yeah, they're very good, and um, it was kind of depressing to watch. And I guess some other things we have to talk about. I guess it it got to such a point that Thonmaker saw second quarter minutes, and that was not something I was expecting, Frank. <laughs> um, so so Thon came in. I think we decided that in that second quarter it was what plus three uh for the Raptors in that time that he was in. Yeah. It was roughly four minutes, I think. Um so plus three and then on the night he was in garbage time a little bit as well. Um and that lineup must have given up another two. So Thon on the night was minus five in about six minutes. Um I guess thoughts on seeing Thon. Um was your thought a white flag? Because yes. <laughs> that that was kind of my thought when I saw it. Yeah, it, it's so interesting because so I'm, I'm I'm just looking at my my mention. So I have a mention here. It's from someone. So the 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 Twitter user is underscore on Wisconsin underscore, and they said we're not a good enough team to have our last two first round picks to be riding the pine every night. Hashtag fire kid. Now, what if the argument is that? Kid was responsible for picking Thon and Rashad, and Thon and Rashad are bad, and that is why the Bucks are not as good as they could be. 
that to me is logically an acceptable sort of train of thought if, if you're sure. trying to go with me and i'm not I, saying that, i can like, i can go along with that right right because because i mean here's the thing like vaughn i mean he he basically won that first nets game like for i mean i don't want to say on his own but he was the difference between winning and losing the first nets game he had the Correct. six threes 22 points and he had i think one other game where he shot some threes but for the most part otherwise when i see rashad vaughn i think this is a bad nba basketball player Correct. um and he hasn't played that much, right? And I, and I think it's fair to say he should play in order to develop or something like, you know, whatever. Um, but the sad part is I actually don't think Rashad Vaughn is going to help you win games more than Jason Terry, which is scary to say because Terry's been, you know, by any sort of measurable uh, on-court performance, he's been bad. And yet the teams have, lineups have been good with him on the court, not tonight, <laughs> minus yeah. 17 in like nine minutes. Um, but I find it interesting because like, I think, I think if you want, kid to only make moves that like will help the team win then i can't possibly imagine how playing rashad who again is <laughs> not good and thon who looks unplayable to me basically like i i like and, and again, you, yeah not, logic, logically is, you couldn't crush him for drafting terrible players and then also crush him for those terrible players not playing is that that is that i think i think what people i think people want to see thon in particular and i think people want to see rashad vaughn to a lesser extent but especially because you know terry is basically the backup shooting guard yes. and i think those are very those are totally like acceptable hey develop the young guys screw you know playing old guys slash you know not interesting guys or whatever yeah. um, in order to give more run to young guys but like we can in no way conflate playing Thon Maker and Rashad Vaughn as things that we'd like to see with things that will actually help the Bucks win games. And if you if you are gonna, I mean, if anybody's gonna tell me that the Bucks would have won, you know, in Washington or any of these other games if Vaughn and Maker play, like we don't really need to have a conversation because I just don't, <laughs> I just don't, I just don't see that. Like I, yeah. I mean, Thon is, I mean, we saw in the preseason pretty disappointing preseason um i wish he would have played more you can blame kid for that he did have the injury at the beginning of preseason um i wish it was, I, I really wish we'd seen a lot more of thon in the preseason i mean that that we can you can take take a kid to task for no problem by me um but not playing thon right now uh you can blame kid for maybe not putting in thon early in the fourth quarter right i think that would have made sense because the game was over yeah um but playing thon in the second quarter to me was the I mean, from a winning perspective, was easily the dumbest thing kid did tonight because I don't know how the heck Thon Maker, with no real NBA, you know, proper minute experience. I mean, just garbage time minutes at this point. I have no idea how Thon, how you're going to expect him to actually help you win games right now. And I realize he's energetic and blah blah blah, but I mean, he's just kind of running around right now. Yeah, no, he, he's he's a bad NBA player right now. There, there's no doubt about that. Um, so yeah, I, I do think. Like I said, I think we both kind of saw it as a white flag, um, and uh, from an expected value standpoint, from uh, trying to put the best team on the floor standpoint, there's no way that that Thon was that guy tonight. Um, so it, just a just a really kind of curious decision, but I, I think beyond that that it was it was the classic hometown kid move though yeah homecoming uh, except except he did like, the only thing so in general kid has this weird thing of always wanting to play guys when they play old teams slash come home 
except Michael Beasley, who was playing in front of his family and got like no run against the the Wizards, and probably in part because obviously Toledovich was great and also he was Beasley terrible. Was. Yeah, he was terrible. He was terrible again tonight too, which was unfortunate because um, it would have been nice to to have a bounce back game from Bees, who's obviously overall he's been you know very a very pleasant surprise. Correct. So I I don't want this to be interpreted as me you know taking a hatchet job to 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 michael beasley again because i know i've been accused of that and i that is not my intention but facts are facts tonight he was not good toledovich normally the guy i'm always i'm always carping for more minutes for was also very bad tonight um after the the great night in washington so uh yeah rotations i don't know yeah i I, and and like i always say like we can always find a way to complain about rotations but when like i said when Thon came in, they were already down by sixteen. Enough. It's forty-four twenty-eight. <laughs> they they were down by enough. Uh, so that would suggest that your normal rotation guys and some of your starters didn't do the job that they needed to do. And uh, I mean, a thirty-three to twenty-three first quarter is not. No matter what you may think of kids' rotation, does not really speak all that well of of the Bucks starters. So, um, it was just, and I, I'll, and I should add too. I mean, I also get throwing him in there as sort of a screw you to everybody else. Who's normally in the rotation yes. and say, you guys are, you know, garbage. I'm putting in this young guy who tries really hard and, you know, from a high volatility, who knows if for some reason this causes a spark, uh, that, that is an acceptable argument, but I'm just going to say that's like a wing and a prayer type thing yeah. and not like a, viable strategy like throwing thon maker in for minutes every night is like n- no way going to help you in games i think <laughs> in the short term i hope it eventually does right and i think obviously the argument would be that you're kind of paying it forward trying to get him some minutes now um and and seeing if that that pays off obviously but um but i think also similarly here so let me ask you a question and by the way we need to talk about Giannis and some of those shots he was hitting in the second half before we finish this mm-hmm. but um we finally again. We after I don't know how many games it had been since we saw it. We did see the I'm going to call it the tall ball lineup with Giannis sort of pseudo center. Yeah. Um, for a stretch in the fourth, um, when they were they were already down big time. I think uh, Monroe started the fourth, and then um, Delhi and Jabari came in to replace Monroe and maybe Brogdon or somebody. Um, and I think they were already down like 18, and then you know whatever they might have lost a few more points. But um, we also saw them in the second quarter, and I think Adam Paris, uh, writing in our preview, said that I think the the tall ball lineup in the second quarter like was outscored 16 to 15 or something like that. Mm-hmm. It it felt worse to be honest, but I guess it didn't um, it didn't completely implode. Um, and I see this this is what I'm I'm okay with that, you know. Um again, like I want to see what that lineup can do. I'm I'm kind of curious if Kid was maybe running them in the fourth, maybe. I don't know if he was like trying to get more reps for them or what he was trying to do. Um because obviously the gate they were not coming back at that point. But um, you know, I, I will I will be consistent. I've been you know, trying to manufacture ways to get Toledovich on the court with Jabari or sorry, with Giannis. And granted that you know you can do that without a the tall ball lineup but um i think it is an interesting combination to try at least um and you know kind of see how it works um i think when when the bucks did it in the i think it was in the fourth they had valanchunas in there and he was just like throwing his weight around and the bucks you know (laughs) struggling to deal with with fronting and and trying to bring extra bodies but um i don't know What, what did you think of it i'm not sure there were any kind of big takeaways tonight but um I'm generally in favor of just trying stuff, especially on a night like this when obviously not much is working. Uh, I guess I'm of the same mind that the 
I'm cool with some experimentation with these lineups because especially on a night like tonight when there's there's nothing really going right uh that that it's fine to to do that i'm curious i'm trying to think in that second quarter was beasley was it beasley and toledovich or was that that was first quarter where it was beasley and toledovich in at the same time um we did see yeah we did see a bit we did see a big beasley basically playing shooting guard um which i think we were i can't even remember if we were talking about during the pod or before the pod but um I, I am open to options for not playing Jason Terry <laughs> slash your backup shooting card. So, yeah, uh, yeah. so I, I think it, it's at least interesting. Um, although, you know, especially and if it, if it makes room for Toledovich who can give you the floor spacing, um, I think it's, I, I, I would at least be open to the idea. Yeah. So I, I thought that was maybe one of the more interesting things we saw tonight that Beasley and Toledovich together, um, because that does, like we said, cut down on, quote-unquote shooting guard minutes and shooting guard minutes are currently being taken by tony snell and jason terry almost exclusively so if those can be cut down on to me that's that's a positive um so so seeing that was exciting um i i guess part of me wonders if if that tall ball lineup is always going to be seen when the Bucks are behind by a lot. Uh, I really wish that wasn't the case. I wish it. I wish that could be a strategy, a line, uh, or a lineup, a tactic. I wish it was something that could be used when the Bucks were winning or close to even. Because we've seen it so regularly when the Bucks are down, when they're trying to come back. I just want to see it <laughs> at a, at a normal time. Because I. I I kind of get the feeling that it's I don't maybe a, more out of desperation than it is out of inventiveness, out of um, out of feeling like this is a good lineup. It's more like, well, stuff's not working. We need to chuck some threes. Let's do this. When it should be, stuff is working. We can always use more threes. Let's do this. That that would be exciting if we'd get to that point. Yeah, especially and and again, I mean, guys, you know, the, these small lineups, whether you're Golden State or whoever, they never get used for that much Correct. for that much time, right? It's and be I think limited. like, yeah, and I think I think I want to say the death lineup it only gets used I think on average like six or seven minutes per game in yeah. in uh, in Golden State or something like that. So it's not to say that this is like some like really high volume thing and i think you know it's easy to sort of oversimplify and just say like oh play Giannis at center like a uh, mismatch it's like well yeah but he's also like gets gonna get really friggin he's also tired. a human being <laughs> <laughs> he's a human being who you're asking to just like you know i mean watching him against like valentunas i mean this is you know he's gonna want to walk the damn ball up every time yeah. because he's gonna get so tired out from just physically getting pushed around so um so yeah it, and and this is kind of those things and and you know it, it's so funny to me with with the perception of kid outside of Milwaukee. I think we've talked about yeah. this, but and I think it's still like residual from his first year in, in Brooklyn, but there's this perception of kid as being this like super unconventional lineup guy. And it's like, no, like, I mean, okay. If you want to say the Giannis stuff, you certainly, you know, especially the way he used Giannis, like, yeah, like that's weird. And I think as much as many people wouldn't agree with it in Milwaukee, I, I think, you know, him putting the ball in Giannis's hands the way he has is not 
like necessarily what most coaches would do. Um, Especially last year, probably. I mean, this year it's obviously like it's become clear that that's the way to to use him. Um, But for the most part, I mean, in terms of like using big men versus small lineups and, you know, or even two big lineups, I mean, he is super like vanilla, right? I mean, always playing a big guy. And granted, yeah, a lot of that's probably because he has too many big guys, but whatever. I mean, he's the coach. He can play who he wants. Um, and so, yeah, I, it, that's it, a, it is funny I think it's he, a tough how, how, balance, though, because... No, it is. It is. I, I agree. I'm, I'm not saying that, like, I would, you know, banish John Henson to 10 minutes a game, never play Miles Plumley, and, you know, play Greg Monroe 15 minutes or something like that. Um, and I actually, I mean, I wrote right around Thanksgiving. I, you know, I, I, I think I pretty much wrote verbatim, like, yeah, right. If you want to boost Henson's trade value, or you need to like, you know, you think he's his defense is required with with some of the other guys like Jabari, mm-hmm. then just start Henson, play Monroe, but freaking play Monroe. You know, don't yeah. bench him for. Yeah. You know, I mean, that was also inexplicable on Kid's part, but play Monroe twenty minutes a game, and then just banish Plumley until you know you actually need another center when you know if somebody gets hurt or if you trade one of the other guys. So, I mean, I, I can't – I'm not going to complain that much about that. But, I, yeah, I mean, I'd like to see – I guess I was saying from the outside it's kind of a tough balance because if you're not here all the time, you would just see the the things that are kind of flashy. Like you said, like in Brooklyn when he was playing – it was essentially Paul Pierce at power forward the whole time and then you see him – playing Giannis at point guard and you just start thinking like, Oh my God, this guy will try anything. Um, when in reality, obviously we might know that it's a little bit more vanilla, but those are big, big ish things to do. Um, so the, the perception is certainly interesting. I think that's a a good point you brought up. Um, but yeah, well, I guess I, I don't think we're going to see any less experimentation and I don't think we're going to see any less, uh, any less people in our mentions yelling about kids rotation as the, as the season goes on. I, I think that's just kind of something that's always going to happen with kid. Um, let's talk about Giannis. Uh, Giannis scores 24 points in the second half, um, to end the night with 30 points, eight rebounds, five assists and three steals. Um, in that third quarter and no turnovers and no turnovers. Yes. Um, which is great to see. Um, because there have been some struggles with that in in the last week or so. Um, But he hits a number of jumpers. He hits a number of jumpers in exciting ways, let's say. Um, (laughs) I'm trying to think of, like, I mean, there's a difference between hitting jumpers and then hitting some of the jumpers that he did hit, like where it's a Euro step, fall away, uh, there's an end of the shot clock step back with a guy in his grill. Um, that's, that's like a shot Giannis just does not have and he hit it. Correct. That's what, that might've been the coolest shot he hit tonight, right? Like that fade away yes. from like the, I don't know, like elbow extended kind of well guarded step back and yeah. drains it. Um, so I, I guess what do you take of it and tell me that I should be excited about it and not just think, they were shots taken out of desperation. They were shots taken when it didn't matter. They were shots taken at the end of the shot clock. They were shots that essentially he had to take or would feel no pressure to take because the game was totally out of reach. Tell me why I should be excited about it and not think what I just said. 
Well, I, one of the reasons that we, when we were talking about clutch stuff, right? Yeah. Um, the arg, I mean, to me, the big argument for not, um, for not running, for for not running a final play for Giannis, would be not that he is a bad three point shooter, um, but it's that he has perhaps even less ability to sort of like dribble to a spot and just rise up for a 17 foot jumper Mm -hmm. and make it like, that's just not something he does. Correct. And I think it comes from a good place in the sense that he knows that that's not like a high percentage shot. I don't want to say that he's analytically inclined or something like that. Cause I don't know if that's why. Um, but he knows that like, you know, taking DeMar DeRozan's, you know, having his shot chart (laughs) is not going to be, is not going to be the best thing for you. So I, I think it comes from a good place. Um, but you know it, it's kind of like the balance thing, right? And and we saw him. Uh, early, I think it was in the third quarter. Early, he sort of like attacked from the right side and sort of pulled up for you know a more or less uncontested kind of elbow jumper, and he made it. And I think Marcus Johnson actually said, you know, that's like the shot he was. It's the shot he was practicing um, in before in warmups from like that. And Jason Kidd like had him try to do that a couple times. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's kind of a pretty important shot because teams now are focusing so much on walling off the paint and playing him up to basically the foul line. Yeah. And again, it's like you don't want him just settling for tons of like 17-foot jump shots. But if he can't credibly hit that shot and if you can't put that on film, right, which is why something like this can help mm-hmm. because him hitting that shot on and getting that on film for other teams to see um again it's like at least maybe starts to build up some of that shot equity do we talk yeah. about and maybe makes teams at least think about it and i think he took a couple sort of like those little you know 10 foot like pull up push shot little baby hook type shots mm-hmm. um and to me that shot is so important because that's the shot that he can get whenever he wants literally right? like, every possession right and and if you're talking about him becoming an end of game kind of just like you know, you can't stop him from getting a makeable shot type player. It's not pulling up from 28 feet. That is what it's going to give him that. I mean, clearly you want him to be able to hit, knock down open threes. But um, the thing that becomes so valuable is if not only, you know, he can get to the rim a lot, but when he gets walled off and they send an extra body, can he just sort of pull up and I mean, yeah. you know he's got all the length in the world and teams don't, you know, teams are willing to give him that shot. Can he shoot that little shot like the push shots or, yeah. um, you know, those kind of like short, short jump shots. And again, I don't want him shooting like tons of fadeaways and all this other <laughs> stuff, but, um, but it's important that he at least start to feel like that's a shot that he's got in his arsenal because, you know, a guy like Jabari I think feels very comfortable in that range. Um, I think Jabari came in like 46% on mid-range jump shots yep. or something like that I was looking the other day. Um so that would be nice uh, if if Giannis can do more of that. By the way, how about that up and under dunk how, that Jabari had today? How is that possible? Oh, that was awesome. Yeah, it was it was kind of a windmill like in game action yeah. and for a completely useful functional like, reason. Yeah, it's yeah, totally functional. Um, that was super exciting. I and I guess so. The the hypothetical narrative I created before about why I shouldn't be excited about Giannis, I don't necessarily think I, I believe all of that. I, I do think to an extent, end of the shot clock, you're down by a bunch. You're going to play a little bit looser. You're going to play with a little bit more confidence because, I mean, why not? Um, there, there's literally nothing to lose, so I can take this shot. Um, but but it was it was exciting to see him hit those. And, and I know... I guess one thing I always get concerned about is I don't know how many times in the last two to three years I've had 
someone in my mentions, someone I see in person, someone I have a conversation with say, Yasis Chomper's looking better lately, isn't it? And I have to be like, it does feel like it is. You're right. I think it is looking better. And then there'll be a, a week of just horrific shooting and no confidence and just awful awful shots and and it goes back to the Giannis's shot as a snowflake kind of idea um but it again Frank it it feels like that shot's looking better it, it feels like he's shooting with more confidence it feels like his his mechanics are maybe a little bit more consistent but then again I I'm just not ready to to say that quite yet but it, it was exciting and I do think like you said that push shot that in-between shot is huge and I guess that was, I think one of the most exciting things about him talking with KG is I think KG found a way to excel with that a lot of the time, was that he was just so big and he was so long, and then as he got older, he got so strong that he could always take contact and then find a way to get up over the top of you. And as he got older, it was more of that shimmy fadeaway. And again, that's not a shot I want to see a 22-year-old Giannis shooting, but some of the other ways where he would pivot into the lane and then just manage no matter what to get a shot off and essentially feel unblockable, untouchable, that is that is the, the spot you want to get Giannis to. So if he... If he is starting to feel more comfortable with an in-between shot, that is undeniably exciting. Um, Well, and I think the thing is, too, is like Giannis's first two. So I think he was 0 for 3 tonight, but two of them were just, you know, half court plus heaves, which God bless him. He doesn't care about his field goal percentage, so he still heaves those um, and like deserves a tip of the cap because so many NBA players intentionally take that extra dribble so that they shoot after the clock and, you know, whatever. Um, But I think the thing with Giannis is like he took an early three that was a couple like a step or two behind the three point line. And he had like time to think about it and he kind of like thought about it and then just short considered it. Oh, my God. And then just short armed it. And I think. I, I wish we had. I wish we had like stats for what Giannis's three point percentage is when he hesitates versus no hesitation. I wish there was like a like I could get just a stopwatch on every Giannis <laughs> shot. Like how long did it take to get out of his hands? Uh, like, as yeah. though like I was clocking a punter or a sprinter or whatever it may be. Right. But I do. I hundred percent agree. I think it'd be super useful. Yeah, because it, it just seems like when Giannis thinks about shooting. He misses, and when he thinks, when he doesn't think about shooting, he has a way higher chance yeah. of, of making a shot. And um, and obviously, so I think that's also the thing. It's like if you want him to become good at you know taking one dribble and, and rising and firing from fifteen feet because defense is giving him that, then he's got to do it. You yeah. know, he's got to just be in a game and just go and do it. And um, if he never does it, then it's not like he's just going to be able to flip a switch with four seconds on the clock, right? It's then it's not going to come. And I think that's why you've seen him take, he's trying to develop that little like sidestep James Harden style, um, step back shot, you know, which is, he kind of shoots it more as like a sidestep shot. Um, which he, I don't think he's made one. And I know he, he tried one. I forget. Was that at the, it was at the end of a game of a rank regulation of a game this year. I forget yeah. which one it was. Um, but he also tried one the other night late in the, I want to say maybe the Hawks game. Um, yeah, it was the Hawks off of a side pick and roll. Um, and then 
or maybe it was the Wizards. No, I think it was the Hawks. But yeah, side pick and roll and a step, a side step three, and it was ugh, yeah, it was bad. Or maybe it was a bit. Whatever. It was a game they lost, and it was yeah. like late in the game, and it was just sort of one of those things where it's like, okay, that shot's not there right now. <sighs> but I don't know. I mean, you know, if, if that's what he needs to do to get comfortable shooting it, Go I mean, the problem man. is he's got to he's got to hit it probably to feel to feel good <laughs> about it. But yeah. Um, but it's it's obviously kind of kind of coming, um, and interesting too because I mean he really wasn't involved much at all. I mean Parker was you know sort of cooking, and I mean Parker was just looked like a man possessed in the first quarter. Like I was just like Jesus Jabari, like okay, you know we see more of this that that would probably be be a positive. One of these days, Frank, he's gonna have one of these nights where he gets twenty like three or four minutes into the third quarter, which he did again tonight, and. I, I honestly, I think that's the third or fourth time he's done it this year, maybe even in the last month. And one of these times, that's going to carry over into the fourth quarter. And it's going to be glorious because he's going to put up 40. And I'm just going to be <laughs> so excited. But I just, it's we should talk about that at some point. And I don't even know if you can talk about it. I don't know if you can conceptualize it. But he, he just plays, like you said, with the – with that laser focus, with whatever you want to call it. And then it seems like once it gets to like midway third quarter, he got like six-ish to start the third, then it just just disappears. By the way, uh, we talked about Jabari's dunk. How about Giannis's left-hand dunk where he just bullied <laughs> Patrick Patterson? And then just I, <laughs> I, I tweeted it after, uh, but I said his post-ups are now weaponized. Like totally weaponized. <laughs> it, it that's a full time power forward that Giannis just said, you know what? I'm gonna back your ass down, and that's exactly what he did. And he dunked on him. Like if he's doing that to power forwards, he should never be worried, concerned about going into the post and backing somebody down. All right, we've talked enough about this game. You can tell. You can tell at least Giannis and Jabari put up numbers because we were at least willing to talk this long about <laughs> a game that that was just. You know, a, a garbage can game in terms of the result. Um, but uh, anyway, yeah, we will no, we see. did well. The curse of the Raptors. We did, we did well, Frank. <laughs> I'll say that right now. We did well. Um, we, we being Frank and Eric, not the Milwaukee no, Bucks. No, 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 no. We, Frank and Eric, did well tonight. Uh, for Frank, I've been Eric. This has been Locked On Bucks, and it has been brought to you by BetDSI.com. Again, go to BetDSI.com. Use the promo code BUCKS10, B-U-C-K-S-10. That'll get you a free wager, and you can start winning today. Thank you for joining us. Uh, tomorrow, let's see. Tomorrow, Yeah, tomorrow we'll have a guest on the show because um, we kind of have a, a little bit of a break here because we don't have a game until Thursday. So we will have a guest tomorrow. Hopefully you'll enjoy our conversation with him, and hopefully that ends up being a lot of fun. So uh, we will go ahead and do that uh, tomorrow, and hopefully you'll enjoy that. Thanks for listening. This has been Locked on Bucks, brought to you by BrewHoop.com and BetDSI.com.